all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game.
eternal God. God, we worship you tonight. 
just as we've done all weekend. But we still want to press in further with our ears open and our hearts open, God. For you to just continue to speak to us, continue to change us, and continue to revive us so that we can become more like you. So that we can be full and set apart and set on fire to go out into this world, Father God, to live life to the fullest and to bring the good news of the living hope that you are to this world, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Be as Susie as she delivers the word. And let us receive it with open hearts, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good Sunday evening to you. It's been kind of a drainy, uh, rainy, drizzly day, hasn't it? But you came out, and I commend you for that. Hey, I want you to take a, a quick little imaginary trip with me. I think we've got, do we have the slides up for tonight's message? There we go. Take it all. I want you to take a quick little imaginary trip with me. I want you to imagine giving a beautiful mansion to one of your children. Or if you don't have children, then I want you to imagine giving a beautiful mansion to someone you love. Some way, somehow, you came upon a windfall, a lot of money, and you just wanted to give your loved one this incredible mansion. It's on 10 beautiful acres of land. It is impeccably landscaped, and, and you can see the mansion there. It's spacious. It, it's stunning. And your loved one expressed gratitude for this house. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this. I love it. This is the best gift I've ever received. But he or she never really got around to moving inside. <laughs> and as time passed, no care was taken to upkeep the lawn. And the weeds began to grow. The paint began to peel. And the roof had problems. And just no one ever moved into it. I wonder if you would start to doubt your loved one's appreciation. Were they really grateful? They sure acted like it. They sure sounded like it. But, well, they never really got around to moving in. Well, what's going on here? Well, I want us to look really quickly tonight at a beautiful new home that God gave the Israelites. Now, you remember, he uh, rescued them from slavery, from the cruel rule of Pharaoh. They'd been slaves under Pharaoh for more than 400 years. And he made, made them uh, bake bricks out in the hot sun and tortured them and beat, had them beaten and all kinds of atrocities. And finally, God raised up Moses and then God raised up Joshua. And he rescued the Israelites from from Pharaoh's rule, and he led them through the wilderness for a little over 40 years to an amazing piece of land that he dubbed as the promised land. And it truly was amazing. It was beyond anything that they had ever imagined before. It had everything they wanted. Wide and vast fertile land. Spacious, stunning. It was incredible. It was marvelous. Any positive adjective that you want to use will fit right here. I mean, it was, again, beyond what they would have ever thought or dreamed of. And again, God had been faithful in leading them through the wilderness for a little over 40 years. Okay, now they've reached the promised land. Now, I want you to know the promised land was about 60,000 square miles. Here's a little map. And that portion outlined in red uh, symbolizes the promised land. That's it. That's where the promised land is. Approximately 60,000 square miles. Okay, let's really bring that into focus. Uh, what 60,000 square miles, what does that look like? Well, Virginia is 42,775 square miles. So we could actually fit Virginia and a little bit more of Virginia inside the promised land. That kind of helps you zero in a little bit more specifically on how big that it was. So now, again, they've crossed the Jordan River. They've seen miracles. They have pitched their tents. They're right outside the promised land. They've arrived. But guess what? Seven years have passed by now. Seven years have gone by, and seven tribes still have not gone in and, to, and possessed the land that God has given them. And so Joshua, their leader, asks them an extremely intense question. Let's look at it. So Joshua said to the Israelites, Hey, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? 
Again, seven tribes still had not taken possession of their huge allotment of this incredible land. And seven years has passed. Now, I want to take that same scripture. Will you allow me to read it to you in a few different versions? Allow me to belabor the point for just a second. Because there's, there's different words that stand out to us in these different versions. Here we go. How long will you delay in going in to possess the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Remember, they're still living inside of their tents. Let's look at it from the voice translation. How much more time do you intend to waste before going to claim the land the eternal God of your ancestors has given you? Again, they're still living in guests. They're camping on the outskirts of the land that God has given them. Let's look at the New Revised Standard Version, same verse. How long will you be slack about going in and taking possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Don't you just kind of want to say, move in already. Come on. Go forward. Put one foot in front of the other. Let's look at it from the New King James Version. How long will you neglect to go in and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? What's the problem here? Why are you content just living on the outskirts? Let's look at the New English translation. How long do you intend to put off occupying the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? In other words, why are you content to living close to all that God wants you to have without really experiencing it? Let's look at the Living Bible. How long? How long are you going to wait before going in, clearing out the people living in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Okay, thank you for allowing me to belabor that, to repeat it, to rehash it, to hammer it home. You get it, I'm belaboring as I'm belaboring, all right. <laughs> okay, well, here are the words that jump out at us at those different versions of Scripture that we've read. How long are you going to wait, delay, slack, wasting time, neglect, put off? Let's look at the scripture again one more time from the Living Bible. How long are you going to wait before clearing out the people living in the land that the Lord your God has given you? Oh, oh, we're going to have to go in the land and clear out the people who are already living there. Okay, that, that clarifies things. It brings the picture into focus, doesn't it? Now we understand I have to involve myself in taking what has been given me. God has given me this amazing inheritance, but I haven't yet possessed it. I haven't yet taken it. So back to Joshua's question, why haven't you? Could it have been apathy? Could it have been ignorance? What, what's the difference between apathy and ignorance? I can almost hear them saying, we don't know and we don't care. Okay, well, what Joshua has asked is a crucial question, and his question has paramount importance. So let's look at that question, and let's just chat about some possible responses. The question, why haven't you taken all that God is giving you? Well, because it's too much work. It means they'll have to drive out the people who are currently there. It means they're going to have to go through the land and record geographical boundaries. They're going to have to set up dimensions, work, build roads and houses, construct places to worship, clear some farmland. Now, eventually, this would be amazing, incredible, unbelievable. But first, there's a lot of work involved. Well, here's the parallel. The moment you put your trust in Jesus, God gave you a never-ending, inexhaustible spiritual inheritance. He forgave your sins. Yeah! <laughs> he forgave your sins and he gives you the power to resist temptation through the Holy Spirit within you. And he removes your guilt from your past sins. Ah, that's huge. And through the Holy Spirit, he gives you rich gifts like his peace and his guidance. And he endows you with spiritual abilities that you can discover and then use in his mission. And he invites you to find your part in his mission of bringing spiritually lost people into an eternal relationship with himself. But all of these demonstrations of what God has given have to be received. They have to be taken. 
You have to make them yours. It doesn't just happen automatically. It takes spiritual work, spiritual effort, and spiritual energy. And yeah, it can be hard work at times. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. And to take all that God wants you to have at times can be hard work, but it's a joy-filled work that yields an incredible reward. So here's the question. We need to ask ourselves, how long will you wait until you get to work spiritually? Or will you, like the Israelites, simply be content to live close to all that God wants you to have without really experiencing it. Well, guess what? He doesn't want you living close to his blessings. He wants you living smack center of his spiritual blessings for you. He has more for you than you would ever dare to dream or even imagine. How do you know, Susie? Maybe for other people, but not for me. I'm pretty sure I've done some things that other people in this room haven't done. Well, here's the proof. Ephesians 3.20, now glory be to God. Glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within you, and 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 you, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And in the NIV version, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Wow! That's a celebratory statement. In fact, this would be a perfect time for the hallelujah chorus to be piped in right now. That's a celebratory statement. Hallelujah. God wants to do more for us, in us, and through us than what we can imagine. So let's get back to the question. Why haven't you taken all God is giving you? Well, because I'll have to toss out what doesn't belong. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to get rid of stuff. I mean, the land is cluttered. Sure, this is God's promised land, but it's cluttered. It's filled with heathens, with people that he doesn't want in there anymore. And I'm, well, my life is kind of cluttered too. So for me to enter this abundant life and take all that he wants me to have, I'm going to have to empty my life. Because there are some things in my life that... If I were to be honest, Susie, they just don't belong in there anymore. And um, I'm going to have to get rid of stuff in my life. You see, you see, God needs a big, empty life that he can work in and move around in and do through. But when we clutter up our lives with stuff and with bitterness and anger and criticism, and you fill in the blank... <laughs> then he doesn't have the room he needs to move in big ways inside of us and through us. And let's face it, many of us are pack rats. We hoard on to things in our lives. We don't want to empty our lives to give God complete control, so we try to hoard. Okay, maybe some of you are thinking, oh, Susie, that is not me. <laughs> okay, I, I, that is not me. I'm not hoarding on to stuff like that. Well, me neither. But I do confess to you, that I often hoard other things in my heart. Sometimes I hoard things like impatience. Sometimes I'm really good at hoarding onto hurt feelings. Why, why would he say that to me? Or why would they reject me? Or why would, I don't understand how that can happen. Sometimes I hoard on to maybe being a little critical instead of encouraging. Well, let's face it, God wants us to toss out a lot of junk that prevents us from having the kind of character that he desires. Can, can we just be honest? We have moral, emotional, and spiritual and relational junk that just needs to get thrown out like yesterday's garbage. And that takes work. I think of, first, I think of Philippians 2.12. I think of Philippians 2.12. I'll get my verse straight. I think of Philippians 2.12. Let's look at it. Work hard 
Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So God isn't calling us to spiritual laziness. God isn't calling us to indifference. He's calling us to work hard to show the results of our salvation, to empty our lives, to live abundantly. He's not calling us to laziness. He's calling us to empty our lives. So are you willing to toss out what doesn't belong so you can possess all that God wants you to have? Let's get back to the question. Why why haven't you taken all that God is giving you? Well, because things will be different. Yeah, and change is hard, isn't it? Change can be hard. Even good change can be hard. The Israelites had a nomadic lifestyle for years and years. And so they were, they were used to this kind of life. They'd pitch their tents, live it for a few years, take it down and go somewhere else, pitch their tents again. And so for them to possess what God was giving them, well, it would be uncomfortable. They'd become comfortable with being nomads. To, to possess the land would mean a huge change. Well, to become all that God wants you to be, you may need to make some big changes in your life. Well, like, like, like what? Well, that's really between you and God. Let me just throw some things out here for thought, though. Um, maybe stop living with you in charge. Uh, what about not taking God's name in vain? Well, I don't think I do that, Susie. I don't curse God. You know, we have gotten so used to hearing on every television sitcom that we turn on, we've gotten so used to hearing, oh, my God, that many of us don't even realize that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. In fact, it's actually breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And, oh, how it breaks the heart of God. And I hear even church people saying, oh my, well, that needs to hurt us inside. And when we hear that on a sitcom or, or in a movie, and it's almost impossible not to, we need to feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. So what about giving up, doing things your way? Stop living with you in charge. Quit holding a grudge. Stop saying, hey, hey, I I'm going to quit this addictive behavior. Susie, those are tough things, <laughs> and I can't do that. Well, God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us. We talked about that this morning. He gives us the Holy Spirit to do in us and through us what we can't do. So allow the Holy Spirit that we talked about this morning to transform you. What about this? What about start reading the Bible consistently? What about establishing some genuine accountability in your life? That means if you're a female, you choose another spiritually solid female. If you're a male, you choose a spiritually solid male. So since I'm a female, I may say, hey, Pastor Gay, um, I'd like you to be my accountability partner, okay? And if I know she's going to hold me accountable for the weak areas in my life, then that's going to help me think twice about going down that pathway. So let me just give you an example. Uh, Pastor Gay, <clears throat> I'm flying out of town tomorrow afternoon, and by the time I get home tomorrow evening to Oklahoma City around 8 o'clock, I might need you to call me and say, Susie, did you steal anything? Because, Pastor Gay, I... I steal a lot of stuff. I'm a shoplifter, and I get my hands on just about everything I can find that I like, and I am loving the Christmas decorations that I'm seeing in your church. And I also like that crock pot back there. I like the color of it, and I'd like to take... So probably before the evening's over, I'm going to take a crock pot, and I don't know how, but I'm going to figure out a way to either ship home or pack some of these amazing Christmas decorations. And you know what? I've always wanted to learn how to play the keyboard. It's going to be gone by tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> and so if I know that Pastor Gay is going to be calling me or she's going to be expecting me to check in with her, hey, how's the stealing? Have you stolen anything today, Susie? Then I'm going to be less likely to take something. Now, I just made that up as an example. I don't want you to think, oh, we will never have her back. Because every time she comes, she clears us out. There's nothing left on stage by the time she leaves. But you understand what I'm saying. To become all God wants you to be, there may need to be some changes in your life. And you may need to establish some accountability. And to, to, to set up a, a 
a really genuine, deep prayer life. Sure, it's important to shoot up sentence prayers all through the day. I do that. But also, we need to have a deep, genuine prayer life that involves more than just a sentence shot up here or a sentence shot up there. Establish accountability. Memorize some scripture. In other words, actually grow spiritually. What a novel idea. <laughs> Get closer to Jesus Christ and fall in love with him. I don't doubt that you love Jesus. I mean, you're here on a Sunday night on a dreary, drizzly, rainy day. So that tells me you care about your relationship with Christ. Maybe some of you came just for that amazing chili and soup. But I think, I think most of you came because you really do care about your relationship with Christ. But don't be content with where you are spiritually. Because wherever you are spiritually, God wants you to keep growing. Don't be content. Grow closer. Get deeper. You see, whoever the person is in this room who is the most intimate with God right now, whoever that is, whoever the strongest disciple in this room is, God says to that person, don't be content with where you are. Now, you're really, we're really close. I've done amazing things in your life, and I'm going to keep doing them, but don't be content there because I want to keep you growing spiritually. I want to bring you even closer. I want you to grow even deeper. So we need to be willing to say, oh, Jesus, I am putty in your hands. I want you to keep breaking me and reshaping me in your image. Continue to transform me into who you want me to be. Yes, this new land or this new life will be different than what I'm used to. I'm going to encounter some hard times along the way. Life won't always be easy, but I can know. I can know that I know that I know that I know that God is in control. And I can have peace in the fact that God himself has said this. I will never, 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 ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. So back to the question. Why haven't you taken all that God is giving you well Susie because I just don't really believe that God wants to give me more now I just want to make sure that we're on the same page I I don't I don't think you interpret me saying that God wants to give you a big stocking stuffed with material things that are just going to clutter your life I'm not suggesting that God is a Santa Claus in the sky, but he does want to give you more spiritually than what you can dream or think of or even imagine. So, so why, why won't you take it all? Why haven't you taken it all? Why haven't you possessed it all? Because I just don't, I just don't believe that, that he's giving it to me, that he really wants to bless me spiritually. I can't believe that. Well, never underestimate a king who loves to give good gifts to those he loves. True story, before Tiger Woods was a household name in golf, there was another name that was world-renowned. It was Arnold Palmer. Do you remember him? He's not living any longer, but in his day, he was at the top of his game around the world in golf. And uh, he was playing a golf tournament in a small country, and the king loved Arnold. He was a big fan, and the king would present the trophy to whoever won the tournament. So he was hoping Arnold would win because he wanted to present the trophy to him. Sure enough, Arnold won. The king gave him the trophy, and Arnold thanked him for it and started to walk away. The king said, no, 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 Arnold, come back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it got kind of awkward because the king became kind of starstruck. Then he started stumbling over his words. Oh, Arnold, uh, um, well... Um, we, our, our country loves you, uh, and, and I, 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 I'm a big, a big fan. Arnold, I keep up with you. Uh, I know all your statistics. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And Arnold started to walk away with his grandiose trophy. And they, No, 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 Arnold, come back. Yes, sir, was there something else? Uh, well, yes. Um, I just wish that, uh, uh, well, uh, we could give you another gift. Oh, no, sir, this is beautiful. This trophy is beautiful. And I'm just honored to be here in your country. Thank you so much. And Arnold turned away. No, 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 Arnold, come back. Come back. Arnold came back. King said, no, no, Arnold, I want to give you something else to, to represent my love and respect for you. Arnold declined. The king insisted. Arnold declined. And it just got awkward. And Arnold realized quickly, if I don't accept something else from him, I'll really be offending him. So Arnold finally said, okay, sir, um, 
Anything else you want to give me, I will gratefully accept. Now the king really put an awkward twist on it by saying, good, what do you want? <laughs> how do you answer that? How do you answer that? I mean, really, how do you answer that? So Arnold thought for a few moments. He knew he couldn't say something too grandiose or he'd appear greedy. He couldn't just say any old thing. And so he thought, well, you know, a custom golf club, those aren't cheap. But they're not out of this world. And several people had given him custom golf clubs. And so he said, well, sir, what about a golf club? And I would think of you all the time. And, and I have a few golf clubs in my collection. And, oh, that would be a gift that would mean so much to me. The king's face just lit up. Oh, yeah, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Arnold, that's great. Tomorrow, I'm going to pick you up at a, at a certain time. And my entourage will be with me. We want to take you to a special place to make this presentation. True to his word, the next morning, the king and his entourage picked him up, and they drove, and they drove, and they drove. And Arnold's thinking, where in the world are we going? It's a small country. Uh, are we going to a factory? Are we going to be seeing some golf clubs being made? He couldn't figure it out. Finally, uh, they drove through green, grassy hills, a beautiful area. They finally pulled up in front of this mansion-esque-looking building. And... Uh, Arnold thought, wow, that's a, I wonder who, what, what kind of building is that? He just couldn't figure it out. And then they kept driving around, and he saw some lakes and some ponds and some more grassy hills, and you can move the slide. There you go. Again, just acres of gorgeous greenery and land. Finally, they came back to the mansion, and <clears throat> the red carpet had already been rolled out. So Arnold got out, and he walked up the steps on the red carpet, and the king and the entourage walked up, and right outside the glass doors of that huge mansion-esque looking building, building, the king turned to Arnold and he said, Arnold, your golf club. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Never underestimate a king who loves to give good gifts to those he loves. My friends, you serve the king of kings and he loves to give his children good gifts. Let me repeat, I'm not suggesting he's a Santa Claus wanting to clutter your life with a stocking full of material things, but I am saying <coughs> he has tremendous gifts for you. Freedom, victory, abundant life, holiness, deeper growth, peace, and, and uh, a gentle spirit. Oh, but you have to take it. So will you? The Israelites had been given this incredible inheritance from God, the promised land. But inheritance is not possession. Inheritance is not possession. You can inherit something without possessing. Well, Susie, I, I, am, I am so committed to Christ. You, you don't understand. Commitment is different than surrender. You can be very committed and not totally surrendered. And you can be given an inheritance without ever possessing it. Why? Why? Because possessing the inheritance, taking it, requires complete surrender. So the decision is yours. He has more for you. He doesn't want you to be spiritually content with where you are right now. Even if, if you're the strongest Christian in this entire room, he has more for you. And he wants to keep giving you more spiritually. So what's keeping you from possessing all that God wants you to have? You see, we have not arrived spiritually. We can't say, okay, I've got it all now. I've arrived. No, spiritually, it's a good thing when you want to be selfish. What? It's a good thing for us to be selfish spiritually. For us to say, God, gimme, 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 all mine. Gimme, 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 gimme. All that you want me to have, I want to have. I want to take it all. All that you have in store for me. God wants you to say, gimme, 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 gimme. Spiritually, it's a good thing to be selfish and take all that God wants you to have. It's really not selfishness, is it? So I'm wondering this evening as we wrap this up, if this could be your prayer. Could this be your prayer? Jesus, I thank you for what you've given me. I mean, I've inherited it. I've inherited it. But now I want total possession. So with all that I am, I am moving forward. I'm going deeper. And I'm getting closer 
Because I want all you want me to have. Gimme, 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 gimme. I stand here in total surrender to you. I need you. I need you. I need more of you. And I want to possess, not inherit. I want to possess all that you want to give me. Will you stand, please? Jody, do they know the song that you're going to sing? Then let's join Jody in this song. But before we do, would you just bow your heads and say, Jesus, thank you. Will you just tell him silently, thank you for this incredible inheritance that you've given me. I get all nine fruit of the Spirit. I get forgiveness for sin. Wow, thanks. You free me from guilt from my past. Oh, that's huge. Thank you, Jesus. You give me eternity with you. Wow, 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 wow. But Jesus, tonight I've learned there is so much more that you just want to keep heaping on top of me good things, spiritual blessings. And I mean, I haven't even thought of that before. And tonight I realize you're asking me, so why haven't you possessed, moved forward, worked hard at taking all that I'm trying to give you? So Jesus, tonight, with all that I am, I'm moving forward. I'm going deeper. I'm getting closer. I guess what it boils down to, my friends, is on this last night of revival, I'm calling our church to prayer. That's you. I'm calling us as the body of Christ to come together as a church and say, oh, dear God, we don't want to simply inherit what you have given Salem Fields Community Church, what you have given me individually, we want possession. And so as a church, as your body, individually and corporately, we are moving forward tonight, symbolically, we're moving forward physically toward this altar to say, dear God, I don't want to inherit, I want to possess. So if that's your heart cry, then while we play this song, as we sing with Jody, would you just go ahead, church, and move forward, make your way along this altar as a church, as a body, saying, yeah, I want to be part of that. I don't want to just inherit, but I want to possess. Let's sing, and you come, and I want to lead us in prayer tonight as we move forward in obedience to God. Come on, church.
would you bow your heads and just silently ask the Lord, Jesus, is there anything that you want to bring to my mind right now that's keeping me from possessing all you want to give me? Are there some things I'm hoarding on to that I need to empty my life of? Just ask him that. Or Jesus, is it blank? You fill in the blank. Is it shame? Is it embarrassment? Is it my past? Is it whatever? Jesus, because if there's anything in my life that's keeping me from possessing all you want me to have spiritually, would you forgive me for holding on to it? In fact, right here, right now, I give that. I commit it. I turn it over to you, God Almighty. Jesus, right here, right now, individually, and also as a corporate part of this body, Salem Fields Community Church, I have moved forward to say I'm part of a group that's committed to taking all you want to give us. Jesus, I love you. Will you tell him that? Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Tell him this. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to keep giving me more spiritually than I can even imagine. Thank you for being a king who loves to give good gifts to his children. Thank you that I get to be your child. What an honor. What a privilege. Continue to pray this prayer, Jesus. As my church in the near future will go through transition, Father, would you keep me focused on you? Keep me obedient to your leading in my life. Help me not to become distracted by anything else, any other voice. Help me to simply be tuned in to all that you have for me and all that you have for Salem Fields Community Church. Because Jesus, we know that this church has inherited an awful lot from you. But Jesus, now we want to move forward as a church and we want to take possession. We love you, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for pastoral staff that's been here for decades, Pastor Buddy, Pastor Gay. Thank you for the staff that surrounds them, for the leadership they are giving right now. Jesus, continue to guide us and keep us focused on you. We're moving forward. We're going deeper. We're coming closer. We possess all that you want to give us. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we sing just that last portion again, Jody? Healed and forgiven. Look where It's been a good weekend at Salem Fields. And I was thinking as we sing in that song that God has taken some ground in your life. Don't let the enemy have it back. Whatever God has given you this weekend and you've possessed and God has moved in your life, hold on to that and keep moving forward, you know, and don't turn your back on what God has given you. And uh, I think that God is going to bless us and bless you as we move forward together in God's grace. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming out, and I just pray that God will just continue to move us all forward in our walk with him.
Don't forget about our Thanksgiving offering. I told you I wouldn't stop talking until we had $60,000. We have about 40 now, and so we're cutting into it a little bit. So if you haven't given, tonight would be a great night to give. But just go in peace. Enjoy the presence of the Lord in your life. And please don't allow the enemy to take anything back um, from you that God has given you. Okay? God bless you and have a great week. Thank you, Susie. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game.